Hey, thanks for checking out this sermon. Our team worked hard to put this sermon together with you in mind, and we hope it helps you take your next step with Jesus. Enjoy. church. Good morning. Today we are continuing our series within a series uh, where we are focusing all of our attention on the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. If you remember two weekends ago, uh, we talked about the idea that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not some uh, indistinct power to be harnessed, something to try and be controlled. No, he has a will, a mind, emotions, He is a very personal, relational, present in our lives. Last weekend, Pastor Steve unpacked the idea that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence in us. That for anyone who is a believer, you've made the decision to uh, surrender your life, follow after Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I mean, just think about that for a moment. It's not simply God with us or God among us. No, the very spirit of God himself is in us, empowering us, growing us, transforming us each and every single day to become more and more like Christ. And today we'll build upon what we've already learned and uh, take a look at how the Holy Spirit equips us with spiritual gifts so that we can make a difference in the world around us. Now, right away, just by me uttering those two words, spiritual gifts, some of us have immediately developed an opinion on what it is we're gonna talk about today. See, the reality is we have people represented on all of our campuses and all of our auditoriums across the East Bay, even watching online, reading this as a part of CF Inside, who come from a completely diverse background when it comes to the topic of spiritual gifts. I grew up in what is described as a Pentecostal charismatic church, a church that was very familiar, very comfortable with the Holy Spirit and with spiritual gifts, even using spiritual gifts in various ways during the times that we gathered together. And as a result, I have experienced firsthand some incredibly miraculous, like supernatural things when it comes to the Holy Spirit and to spiritual gifts. For example, when I was a little kid, I suffered for years from uh, having an infathomable amount of warts on my toes. Um, I was probably eight years old, I would say, and at one time I had over 30 warts just on my big right toe alone. Like it was disgusting. It was embarrassing. It was painful. I went to the doctor over and over again to get them frozen off. I did every home remedy in the book and nothing would clear them up. It affected my day-to-day life. It affected my ability to play sports. It affected my self-esteem. 
And one night, my mom's women's Bible study was meeting at our house, and my mom asked me if I would like the women to pray for me over my foot. And I remember sitting on the couch and as these women gathered around me and laid hands on me, and it was actually my grandma who led out and prayed uh, for my foot, that God would heal it, that all of the warts would be removed. And it wasn't uh, more than a week later that every single wart on my foot was completely gone. And I've never had warts again. That is, yeah. (laughs) God gave those women the spiritual gift of healing. Towards the end of 2009, I was at a very uncertain time in my life. I'm 22, I had just finished college, right? Like every recent college graduate and you're like, what am I gonna do with my life? But I kind of extended having to figure it out for a year because I did a a year graduate internship at my school. So I delayed that and 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 I'm at school still. But now I'm halfway through that year and I still have no idea what's next. And I had gone to Bible college. I felt this call to ministry. But to be honest, like I had no idea what that actually meant or how it would practically play out in my life. I never entertained the idea of being a pastor or a preacher. In fact, it was something I actually tried to avoid because it was so far out of my natural abilities and my comfort zone. And I remember going up for prayer after one of our chapel services at school and the lady who was the guest speaker that day prayed for me. Now, I had never met her before. She was pastoring at the time at a church in Washington. She had never met me. She didn't know anything about me or anything regarding the circumstances that I was currently wrestling through in my life. And while she was praying for me, she asked me if she could put her hand on my chin. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so I say, okay. And as she does that, she says to me, hey, I see a picture of you standing there and your lips are bright red, almost like they're burning with words that have to be spoken. She said, I get a sense that your ministry will be one where you preach and you proclaim truth. And you'll actually draw people closer to God through the words that you speak. And so she started to pray for my mouth, for my words, that that God would develop in me an eloquence of speech, that, that he would give me a boldness to speak out the words that he would give me. I actually went back this week and I found the journal that I had written all of this down in at the time and I reread through it. You see, what she didn't know is that I had just taken a preaching practicum class my last semester of school and although I was absolutely terrified of public speaking, I had begun over the past few months to feel this nudge to preach and to teach. And so in this moment, God used this woman to confirm a calling that he had given me that I was extremely uncertain about, but ultimately it helped lead me to where I am today. God gave this woman what's called uh, the spiritual gift of a word of knowledge. Now I understand the topic of spiritual gifts, it can be unfamiliar, it can be uh, confusing, it can even be uncomfortable at times to discuss However, I believe that when we experience and we understand spiritual gifts in like a real, genuine way, 
that they provide some of the most beautiful, miraculous, transformative moments of our faith journey. So this is why I'm excited we get to unpack this topic together today. I think the first place we have to start, though, is by defining what a spiritual gift even is. Right? There are uh, some of you listening today, and this is the very first time you've even heard that phrase, spiritual gifts. And if that's you, that's totally okay. I'm glad you're here. I hope today will be helpful for you. You see, there are several passages in the New Testament that unpack this topic of spiritual gift. And from looking at those passages, I've compiled this simple definition. Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities given by the Holy Spirit to all Christians for the benefit of others and the glory of God. Now, I know that statement, it is like chock full of stuff that we could unpack word by word, but I'm not gonna do that just yet. Stick with me, though. Uh, we'll unpack things more as we dive into our text for today. Grab a Bible, open your Bible app, find 1 Corinthians. We're gonna be in chapters 12, 13, and 14. It's in the New Testament. If you get to 2 Corinthians, you've gone too far. These are three chapters that are the single largest block of material on the Holy Spirit in all of the Apostle Paul's writings. The Apostle Paul is responsible for writing a majority of the New Testament and out of all of his books, this is the time where he spends the most focused attention on this topic. And he has good reason for focusing on this topic for three whole chapters here as in his letter to the church in Corinth. You see the Corinthians there, they loved spiritual gifts. They love talking about spiritual gifts and using spiritual gifts. And, and in fact, in a couple places, Paul tells them, he talks about their eager desire for spiritual gifts and how that's a good thing. The problem was that the Corinthian Christians, they had allowed a lot of division and disunity to foster in their church because they judged themselves and each other on the basis of spiritual gifts. They established this spiritual gifts hierarchy of sorts where they prized certain gifts and they disdained others, viewing them as lowly gifts or even un unnecessary gifts. They allowed pride to cultivate in them as they put greater emphasis on the more visible, more miraculous gifts. And people with those gifts, they were intent on showing those gifts off whenever they gathered together as a church. They wanted all of the focus to be on themselves. The church even viewed these people as being spiritually superior because they were given the more desirable gifts. Well, they just must be a better Christian. And to be honest, as I studied the condition in the church of Corinth that Paul, he's addressing here, it reminded me of many negative experiences that I, and I know others, have had when it comes to spiritual gifts. As much as I've seen the miraculous take place, the reality is there have been times where I've also seen someone use their gifts out of pride instead of a place of humility times when I've seen someone use their gifts for their own glory instead of to glorify God. Times when someone claimed a spiritual gift in order to coerce or manipulate someone else. I've seen people, entire churches, denominations for that matter, put unnecessary emphasis on particular gifts, saying that those gifts are the most important ones. Those gifts, they're actually the main evidence that the Holy Spirit is working and moving in someone's life. And it just creates this enormous disunity even belittling or shaming people because they don't have those particular gifts, making others feel like lesser Christians. And this is exactly the type of situation that Paul is addressing here with the church in Corinth. So let's see what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're gonna start in verse one. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, 
I do not want you to be uninformed. There are actually other translations that uh, use the word ignorant here instead of the word uninformed. And that's because Paul, he's not, he's not trying to teach the uh, Corinthian Christians about something they have no idea about. Remember, they know about spiritual gifts, right? They love spiritual gifts. So he's not saying, hey, let me tell you about spiritual gifts since you're unfamiliar with them. No, he is saying, hey, you think you know all there is to know about spiritual gifts. You think that your perspective is the right one. Well, don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed. Don't think that what you know about spiritual gifts is the end-all, be-all. Paul is saying, hey, we can't even begin to discuss this topic unless our starting place is one of humility. Jump down to verse four, he continues on. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. And then we get to verse seven, and this is Paul's thesis statement for all that he's about to say when it comes to spiritual gifts in these three chapters. In 15 words, Paul is gonna redefine for the uh, Corinthian church what spiritual gifts are all about. Look at verse seven. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Okay, let's take a minute. Let's break down this verse because there is so much that Paul is trying to say here. Okay, did you notice those three words? To each one. To each one. That means all Christians, every single one, to each one, not just the pastors, not just the church staff, not just a select few of really mature Christians as they've been following Jesus for years and years and years. No, Paul says to each one. Meaning if you are a Christian, you've repented of your sins, you've confessed Jesus as Lord of your life, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit has equipped you with at least one spiritual gift. Paul is saying no one is exempt. No one is excluded to each one. Okay, look at the next phrase. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit. Right away, Paul is making it very clear that spiritual gifts are simply the Holy Spirit on display through us. It's the Holy Spirit who is at work in us and through us in ways that are greater than what we could humanly do or achieve on our own. Therefore, a spiritual gift, it's not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit. The focus should never be on us, always on him. It's not a manifestation of Becky. It's not Becky on display, but it is a manifestation of the Spirit. Okay, look at the next two words is given. This means that we aren't the ones who choose our gift, right? This isn't like when your mom calls you and asks you what you want for your birthday, and then you get to decide and pick it and then act surprised when you open the present. Your mom doesn't do that just fine? Okay, cool. But you know, as nice as that is, because then you get what you want, it's not actually a real gift, right? A real gift, is it's chosen by the giver, not by the receiver, Later on in verse 11, Paul says that spiritual gifts are given as the Holy Spirit determines. I love that phrasing because think about it. It means that there is intentionality and thought that went into the Holy Spirit determining which gifts to give you. Like you have them for a reason and you don't have the gifts you don't have for a reason. 
And unlike when we get to choose our own birthday gift, right, and it's a good thing, we secretly wanna do that because then we get exactly what we want, it's actually a good thing that we don't choose our own spiritual gifts. Because you know what? We know our past, right? We know our present. The Holy Spirit, he knows both of those things, but he also knows our future. He knows who we will become. And so he can give us gifts that will grow us and transform us in ways that we would never have even begun to dream or imagine for ourselves. It's such a good thing that we aren't the ones who choose them. It's the Holy Spirit who determines them, who gives them to us. And then finally, the last part. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And this is the heart of what Paul is trying to communicate to the church in Corinth. Hey, gifts are given to you, but they are not simply for you. Our gifts are for each other. They're for the common good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says that spiritual gifts, they are for the purpose of edifying the church, of edifying other people. What that means is building them up, strengthening people in their faith, drawing others closer to Jesus. Spiritual gifts, they are always, always, always others-centered in nature. The moment a spiritual gift becomes self-focused, the moment it becomes self-centered, it stops being a spiritual gift. They are for the common good. And if we keep reading in verse eight, we see Paul, he begins to list out specific spiritual gifts. He, he talks about the gift of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, of healing, and he continues on. And, and, and he lists out nine different gifts here. Now, this isn't the only instance in where he does this. There are actually three other places in Paul's writings within the New Testament where he makes this spiritual gifts list of sorts. And some of the gifts provided in these lists overlap and some of them don't. In total, Paul lists out 18 different spiritual gifts. Here they are. Encouragement, faith, evangelism, healing, mercy, prophecy, serving, shepherding, teaching, wisdom, just to name a few. Now we could spend the rest of our time together and go through all 18 one by one and unpack and define what it is they actually mean. We're not gonna do that today. It'd take us way too long. And so I wanna encourage you though, sign up for our next What's My Fit class. I mean, it's a class we offer on all of our campuses. We offer it online. There, we talk more in depth about spiritual gifts and we actually go through and we define each and every single one of these and, and talk about what it is they actually mean. But the reason I wanted to list all of these gifts together is because it's important for us to realize Paul never intended for this list to be definitive. That's why he listed some gifts on one list and, and, and these gifts on three lists, but these gifts on only one list and these gifts on two lists. Because like, his point wasn't to make it definitive. Sometimes people get so caught up on this list of gifts, like everyone has to have one of these particular gifts and only these gifts, and if they don't have these gifts, then they don't have a spiritual gift. Almost as if the Holy Spirit, right, he has a vault of 18 gifts and that's all he can pull from, that's it. No, Holy Spirit, no, nope. like that's all you get, no more. Like, that's just silly, right? The Holy Spirit is way more creative and powerful and diverse than the box that we oftentimes are tempted to put him in. And so Paul here, he's not doing this list uh, to make it exhaustive, but to make it illustrative. He's saying, hey, you have to realize there are, there's an endless possibility of spiritual gifts, but they are all given by the same Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading, look at verse 12. 
Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, here, the, uh, Paul, he begins to introduce an illustration when it comes to spiritual gifts, where he likens the church, he likens the body of Christ to a human body. He says, hey, just as a body has many different parts, but it's still one body, just as it has a brain and eyes and ears and knees and, and toes and a spleen, although I don't really know what the spleen's for, like they're all important, it all makes up one body. And when it comes to spiritual gifts, if they're being used the way the Holy Spirit intended, he said the same should be true with the body of Christ. The church, it should have many parts, but still function as one body. It should exhibit both diversity and unity. Let's talk about diversity first. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. Paul says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many now remember, the Corinthian Christians, they wanted only the more visible gifts, right? Only the more uh, demonstrative, miraculous spiritual gifts. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Like, it's a good thing when spiritual gifts are diverse, right? Think about it. You wouldn't want a body that is only made up of one part, right? I, I've got two knees. I appreciate my two knees, but I don't want more than two knees. Paul, he continues on and he says, hey, imagine, imagine if, if the whole body consisted of just an eye. How would you hear? Right, if the whole body were just an eye, it wouldn't be a body, it would be a monster. Right? <laughs> you think the Disney artist got their inspiration from Mike Wazowski from 1 Corinthians 12? Wouldn't that be funny? I'm gonna ask him. Aw, oh, good old Mike, love that guy. Paul says, hey, the human body, it is better. It is stronger because of its diversity. And the same is true for the body of Christ. The problem is, though, it's far too easy for us to compare ourselves to one another, isn't it? Oh, man, I, I'm so guilty of this so many times, comparing the gifts that I have with the gifts that someone else has. We see those with more visible gifts, with what we think are, are, are more uh, exciting gifts, and we begin to feel dissatisfied with what God has given to us. We even begin to self-deprecate, right? We say, we, we convince ourselves, you know, I'm no good. They don't need me. I can just sit on the sidelines. No one will miss out. But church, that is not true. My gifts, they are different than your gifts, and they should be. Your gifts, they are different than my gifts, and that is a good thing. When we realize the importance of diversity in the church, uh, that it's actually a beautiful and purposeful thing, we won't compare ourselves with what we don't have. We'll just simply be faithful with what we do. Paul, he then continues on, and he says, hey, as important as diversity is, it has to go hand in hand with unity. You can't have one without the other. Look at verse 24. Paul says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That its parts should have equal concern for each other. You know, where diversity, it, it guards against self-deprecation, right? Where we say, I'm no good, you don't need me. Unity, on the other hand, it guards against self-exaltation, right? Where, where we would say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're no good. Like, I don't really need you. I could do this on my own. 
The reality is there's no such thing, though, as an individual Christian. I mean, Christianity has always been and will always be a team sport. Just as in football, a quarterback can't do his job without the offensive line. Right, a running back, it, it, he relies on the tight end. We all have a role to play, and the roles that we play are actually intertwined, connected, dependent on one another. I mean, think about how difficult it would be for me to stand up here and use my gift of teaching if it wasn't for our production team. Right, the people who are doing the computer graphics slides and mixing audio and doing the cameras and telling me that I'm about to go over time for our backstage crew who actually like makes sure there's new batteries in my microphone and pulls out this card and sets out this table. Like I, I would just be out of breath and walk off the stage before the sermon even started if I had to do all of that on my own. And we need each other. My gifts, they complement your gifts just as your gifts, they complement mine. And you know what? There is this synergy that forms when we're all doing our part, when we're all using our gifts that God has given to each of us to serve one another for the common good, to build one another up. I mean, Cornerstone, could you imagine? Like, just think about for a moment the impact that we could make if we actually lived this out. Like, look around. This isn't a church of just, like, five people, right? There are thousands and thousands and thousands of us all across the East Bay in different pockets of, the, of communities where if, if we were actually, each and every single one of us, living this out, offering up our spiritual gifts to one another, pursuing both diversity and unity in the way we served each other, in the way we loved each other, in the way we, uh, we showed a preference to one another, in the midst of all of our differences, like people would notice that. You wouldn't be able to ignore that. Not in our culture today. Uh-uh, it would stand out like a sore thumb. People would look at us and they'd say, man, those Christians, those, those cornerstoners, they're a little weird, right? They're a little odd, but man, I've never seen anything like that before. I want what they have. I mean, church, I can't think of anything that would be more attractive, more impactful in our day and age to our culture, to our communities, than if the church was most known for its unity. Man, how needed is that in our country today? If the church is not gonna be that, who will? It's our job. Now for anyone who would say, Becky, this all sounds great, but did you forget, like, I don't, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Well, that's okay. Let's get practical. Let's talk about how you can go about figuring out what your spiritual gifts may be. Here are three ways to go about discovering that. The first, ask God. Ask God. If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, then spend some time in prayer talking to God about it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are because you don't have spiritual gifts. So that would be your starting place. Why not have today be the day where you choose to follow Jesus? where you repent of your sin, you surrender your life to him, the Holy Spirit comes into you, man, it's incredible. And then just begin to talk to God. Hey, God, what, what are my spiritual gifts? Right, it's not like he's playing a trick on you and just wants to hide them from you forever. Like, ah, you gotta figure it out. 
Oh, look, she still hasn't figured it out. Oh, man, she's been going on like two decades. This is great. <laughs> like, man, God loves you. He knows you better than, he knows, than you know yourself. He gave you your spiritual gifts. Go to him. Talk to him. Here's the second thing you can do. Ask, how can I serve? You know, the most common question that is asked when it comes to spiritual gifts is, how do I know what, know what my spiritual gifts are? Right, that sounds like a great question, right? It's, it's a valid question. It's actually a horrible question. It's the wrong question to ask because that question is self-focused. How do I know what my spiritual gifts are? And remember, spiritual gifts are not self-focused. They are always, always others-focused in nature. And so instead of trying to figure out what your spiritual gifts are, just begin to start serving. Just begin to notice the people needs around you. When you're in your church, when you're in your home, when you're in your community, at your workplace, in your schools, just notice the people needs around you and then start meeting those needs. Start serving. And as you do that, your spiritual gifts will become apparent. And that's because the way that you are gifted will draw you to specific needs. And because of the way that I am gifted, it will draw me to certain needs. And so when we start identifying needs and meeting needs, we're going to get a clue as to what our gifts are. Ask God, ask how can I serve? Here's the third thing, ask others. It's super tempting to just go online, Google search spiritual gift test, right? And you take it and then you figure out your results and hooray, congratulations, you're gifted. Right, but this is not like a test to you know, figure out like which, I don't know, office character you're most like. No, the problem with spiritual gifts test is that they're individualistic. But the Holy Spirit who gave us our gifts, he is not. He is and always has been a God of community, right? We talked about it a few weeks ago. He's a triune God. And so I believe the best way to discover what our spiritual gifts are is by having other believers affirm them in us. This is how it was for me. I never in a million years would have identified the gift of teaching as one of my spiritual gifts. I mean, I took spiritual gift assessments Many times throughout my life, I never once tested for the gift of teaching. It was never a result. It wasn't until I started serving and leading that other people began to notice things in me. I remember my youth leader saying, hey, Becky, you're, you're able to explain the Bible in a way that's easy to understand. I just want to encourage you, keep growing in that gifting. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Sure. And so that's what I did. I didn't walk around and say, hey, everyone, I have the gift of teaching. Someone give me a microphone. That sounds like my worst nightmare, actually. <laughs> no, I just kept serving. And then God, he would give me more and more opportunities to grow that gift. The, the more I was just faithful with it, the more open doors that it presented. And I would reluctantly take them because every time, even now, I am still nervous and overwhelmed and feel extremely underqualified. But I knew that it was what God was asking me to do. And as I did it, the more and more people affirmed that gifting in me. And let me tell you, when other people are affirming that gifting in you, you believe that a lot more than just a result you got from an online assessment. You actually start to be confident, yeah, maybe this is a gift. You don't doubt it as much. And I think over and over again, this is how it plays out, that the body encourages each member of the body in their giftedness. 
So ask God, ask how can I serve, ask others. Those are the three best places to start when it comes to figuring out your spiritual gifts. Now here's the final thing I wanna talk about today. Knowing our spiritual gifts, discovering what those are, using our spiritual gifts, those are important. It's so crucial. But those things become completely meaningless if it's done without one important component. And the Apostle Paul, he actually spends an entire chapter talking about this vital one thing. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, anyone who's ever been to a wedding before, you're probably familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's known as the love chapter. Even people who aren't Christian, they're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. They've heard things like love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Do you realize that Paul didn't write these things with wedding vows in mind? (laughs) Shocker, but I used that at my wedding. That's okay, that's good. Like, it's, it's, it's good advice, right? Husbands and wives should love each other in those ways. They'll have a great, strong, successful marriage if they do that. But that's not Paul's focus here. It's not marriage. It's not a wedding. It's spiritual gifts. It's the church, it's, it's the body of Christ. And this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, look at verse one, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Cornerstone, a sermon on understanding and discovering our spiritual gifts, it would be completely useless if we do not realize that love is the indispensable medium for the exercise of the Spirit's gifts. It's the indispensable medium. This is why Paul bridges a talk in 1 Corinthians 12, all on spiritual gifts and all of his instructions on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14. He bridges those two chapters with an entire chapter focused on love. Love is the one thing that governs all of the gifts. Think about it. It is love for the family of God that is what spurs us on to even desire spiritual gifts, to even go about discovering our spiritual gifts so that we can use them for the common good, for building one another up. It's love for the body of Christ that draws us to humility so that we don't look at our own gifts and think too little of them or even think too highly of them. It's love for our brothers and sisters in Christ that allows us to value diversity and unity above all else, keeping us from envying someone else's gifts or diminishing someone else's gifts. Love, it is the indispensable medium for the exercise of the Spirit's gifts. And this is why Paul, he ends his chapter on love and he begins his second chapter on spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 14, He begins it with this phrase. Chapter 14, verse one, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. Follow the way of love. A more more literal phrasing would be let love be your aim. 
Pursue love, follow after love, aim for love as you eagerly desire the Spirit's gifts. You know, at the beginning of this month, August, nine years ago, Cornerstone became my home church. I had just moved to the East Bay. I was two and a half months away from getting married. And I started volunteering in the middle school ministry at our Livermore campus, and it didn't take long at all before Cornerstone felt like family. I've been working on staff here now for eight of those years. And as much as I love my job, I love what I get to do, the reason I stay here, what keeps me here, is you. It's the people. I love you guys. I mean, I think about the last five years where I've been up on this stage. I've had, I've had the, the honor of getting to teach and instruct our church. And over the years, it's been you guys that have celebrated with me as I became a mom. As I had my second son. It's you guys that have encouraged me as I've got up here and I've shared struggles that grieved with me when I lost my brother last year. Like, I genuinely, I love you guys. And the best way for me to show that love is by using my gifts to serve you. And so that's what I just did for the last 36 and 20 seconds. 36 minutes, 20 seconds. Now it's over 20 as uncomfortable, as nerve-wracking as it still is for me each and every single time, I do it because of love. So now I'm gonna pray that you would go out and you would love each other in the same way through using your gifts to serve one another, to build one another up, to cultivate in this church in Cornerstone Fellowship here in the East Bay an atmosphere of both diversity and unity, all in the name of our God of love. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come before you right now and we are just humbled by the fact that you would even choose to give us gifts It still blows my mind to think about that the spirit of the living God lives inside of me and chooses, wants to, desires to use me, to gift me so that I can make a difference in this world. God, thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for anyone today who doesn't know you. They've never decided to follow you, Lord. I pray that you would just draw them into your heart right now and that today would be the day they make that decision so that they can experience the incredible joy that it is to have the spirit of God living inside of them, empowering them, equipping them each and every single day. God, I pray for anyone who, who has made that decision to follow you, Lord, but they, they have no idea what their spiritual gifts are. Lord, I pray that you would meet them where they're at this week and you would begin to Start them on a process where you reveal those things to them. As they serve, as they they identify needs, as they meet those needs, as they talk with others, Lord, that they would be able to be affirmed in their giftings and, and be able to be confident in what those are. Because God, we need each and every single one of us to not just be aware of our gifts, but to be using our gifts each and every single day. Lord, that's the only way that we're gonna even begin to repair the fabric of the East Bay. 
we're the church, we're Cornerstone Fellowship. God, we're known to be a people who serve one another, build one another up, pursue both diversity and unity, all in the name of love. That's our hope, that's our prayer. God, let that be true of us. It's in your mighty name we pray, amen.